If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to finish up with chapter 4 and begin reading with verse uh, 19. There's a lot of truth taught in 1 John, way beyond what I can understand, some of it. Just because we teach something don't mean we know it all. I'll be the first one to confess there's much to, I have much to learn about the Word of God and about 1 John. But by the grace of God, as Paul says, I am what I am. He says in verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Verse 1 of chapter 5, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. May we pray. Father, I pray that you will bless thy word this morning and open up our hearts and minds and understanding to receive the word of God into our souls that we may grow thereby. And we give you the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This is great lessons taught in this chapter. And one of the main things the Lord is teaching us is that we're to love one another. One of the strongest words in the book of 1 John is the word love. It's mentioned 33 times, I think, in 32 verses. But another word you may not have thought about it being mentioned so many times is the word God. It's mentioned over 60 times in this little epistle. So you can see how God, the theme of God and His control and His influence is all through the book of 1 John. If a man say, I love God, it reasserts that love must express itself in action. If we love someone, it should be seen. Because love for others is proof of love for God. How can I say I love God and hate you? It's a contradiction. And God puts that down in very plain language. He said, my little children, in 1 John 3, 18, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, let it be seen. Don't just talk it. Live it. Walk it. As we say about the Japanese, used to say about the American people, too much talky-talky and not enough walky-walky. You know, in other words, we don't walk to talk. We need to live what we what we express we believe and hateth his brother he is a liar the word hate in this is in the present tense hate continues as a part of his life and the word love in the previous section is in the present tense so what this individual is saying he says i'm presently tense loving god with all my heart and at the same time in the present tense hating my brother that's a contradiction you can't love and hate at the same time. You can't love God and hate your brother at the same time. Now, this is not a simple, occasional hate. 
Now, I believe we all can sometimes get angry with one another, get angry with family members, get angry with friends. But this is talking about a pattern of life. Your whole life is, he's professing this, this person is professing, I love God all my life. And at the same time, I'm hating my brother at the same time my whole life. That's not possible. You know, James says, how can out of the same fountain come salt water and fresh water? It can't be. So this is a false profession. It refers to a person whose action contradicts his words. In other words, his action contradicts his words that I love God every moment of my life. Because his action says, I hate my brother. So it's contradicting what he says about loving God. The argument is that it is easier to love someone whom can be seen. That is, to love someone who has not been seen. It's easier to love my brother John than to love God in a sense. I can see John, I can't see God. And God's saying this person is claiming to do that which is harder to do. That he can't, he can't love his brother who he can see, but he can love God whom he can't see. He said that's a contradiction. That's what John's saying. He's a liar. He is a liar who claims to be doing what is more difficult when he fails to do what is easier. And this is a person to really examine themselves to see if they're in the faith. Remember the Lord said, it's not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We don't go to heaven by doing good works. But it's an evidence that we have been born again as we're going to see. To claim to know God and have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness of disobedience is to lie. 1 John 1, 6 and 1 John 2, 4. To claim to possess the Father while denying the deity of the Son is to lie. 2 John 2, 22 and verse 23. To claim to love God while hating our brother is also to lie. These are the three black lies of the letter, moral, doctrinal, and social. We may insist that we are Christians, but habitual sin, denial of Christ, or selfish hatred would expose us as liars. Only holiness, faith, and love can prove the truth of our claim to know, possess, and love God. We always reveal what we are by what we do. I'm going to read that to you again. We always reveal what we are by what we do. The tree shall be known by its fruit. And we need to remember these things. There's many false professors going out into the world. Many. Now I want to look at the divine side. This is very important that you understand what we're going to be teaching upon in this next section. Today the pulpits are full of preachers preaching the gospel. The majority of preachers today preach the new birth like this. You must repent, you must believe, and once you meet those conditions, then you're born again. It's a conditional regeneration or new birth. It's based upon what you do. But this is not according to the Word of God. Any system that teaches that the new birth, that you're the cause of the new birth, but by you're meeting certain conditions, they're not teaching the Word of God. 
And I believe this can be bore out with the Word of God. First John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, the word believeth there is in the present tense, is born of God. That's perfect tense. It's something that happened in the past time. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. What he's saying there, all God's children who have been born again, we love each other. We love one another. Present tense. Believeth. You're presently tense believing. Has been born of God is in the perfect tense. Or has been born of God. It re- which refers to an action which has been completed in past time. This completed action have a present results. It shows that a believer was born again before he believes. Now you got to re- take, take my understanding of this. Here's a quote from John Scott on 1 John chapter 5 verse 1. He says, The combination of the present tense, believes, and the perfect is important. It shows clearly that believing is the consequence, not the cause of the new birth. Now, I'm going to read that to you again that you get this. It shows clearly that the believing is the consequence, not the cause of the new birth. Our present continuing activity of believing is a result and therefore the evidence of our past experience of the new birth by which we became and remain God's children. In other words, God has to do a work in you before you can believe. You can't believe on your own. The flesh profiteth nothing, the Lord says. Moreover, belief in Christ is courageous, which birth God just, because Christ is the Son of God, believing that Christ is the Son of God, will manifest the fact that the that they have been begotten of God by recognizing and believing in God's eternal, only begotten, unique Son. A person who rejects Jesus Christ as being the Son of God has never been born again. They never pass from death unto life. If we're born again, we're going to love Jesus and we're going to believe He is the eternal Son of God. He said, if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. So remember, That the word born again is in a passive tense. That means you're not active. You're passive. If I reach down there and slap Brother Dave, he's passive and I'm active. I'm the one hit him upside the face. Then he turns around his other cheek and I hit that one. <laughs> but see, that's what the word passive means. You're not, in, you're not involved in it. It says in John 1.13, which were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, <clears throat> nor the will of man, but of God. That's in the passage for you were born of God. The flesh had nothing to do with it. Your will had nothing to do with it. No one had nothing to do with it. The only one who had something to do with it was God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. John 3, 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's in the passage for that which is Born of the Spirit is spirit. Only God can create spiritual life. Creation is only by God. No one else can create. A preacher cannot create the new birth inside of you. No one can. Only God can create life. Spiritually or physically. 1 John 2 29 said, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. 
has been born of him, passive force. The reason we're doing righteousness is because we have past tense been born of God. The fruit is known, the tree is known by its fruit. How can I know that you're born again? By this, John says, we know that we pass on death unto life because we what? We love the brethren and sisters in the Lord. Not hate the brothers and sisters. That's an evidence of the spirit of Satan. That comes back to what I'm talking about. Don't give place to the devil. Hatred has to go as a Christian. It's not part of Christianity. Hate, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. These are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that we should follow after, not the things of the flesh. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. That means he doesn't habitually sin. Doesn't mean we don't commit acts of sin. We all commit acts of sin. But we're not living a life day after day after day after day after day practicing sin. If we do, we better question our salvation. No matter who it is, whether it's me or Brother Dave or Roger or any of you, if you practice sin, you're the servant of sin, the Lord said. Sin is a serious question to the believer. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. If you love one another, you've been born of God. It's one of the evidences, like I say. If we love one another, we can know that we pass from death unto life. We were dead in trespasses and sins. 1 John 5, 1, rereading that verse, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's in the passive voice. And everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. That's in the perfect, uh, perfect tense. So we see here that we're, we're not active when it comes to being born again. You can't give birth to yourself. Jesus declared, you must be born again. But he nowhere commands you to be born again, to do it to yourself. We can't. We cannot. In regeneration, immediate calling of God in regeneration, the only means is God himself. Now get this set in your mind. Immediate calling of God. That means there's no instruments. God don't use the word. God doesn't use a preacher. God doesn't use anyone or anything to make you a new creature in Jesus Christ. In regeneration, a person passes from death unto life. One of the transformations, one minute you're dead, and then you pass from death unto life. You was in the kingdom of darkness, now you're in the kingdom of God's dear son. That's, that's what takes place in the new birth. What a wonderful, wonderful thought that is. And he receives subjective faith in his being born again. What do you mean subjective faith? In other words, that faith is within you. Within you. God puts the faith of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, faith, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and faith. Faith is put in you in the new birth. So you have faith given you, not offered to you. It's not something that we acquire by reading and studying the Word of God. We don't acquire faith that way. Now, once we're born again in how faith, that faith can grow. We can grow as Christians. And he receives subjective faith in the new birth. 
and his being born again, and this subjective faith is brought forth by the preaching of the gospel to lay hold of the objective truth, the gospel of Christ. In the words, as a preacher is preaching the word of God with power and demonstration of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can quicken someone, and when they're quickened, now they can hear. They couldn't hear before. Spiritually, they could hear the words, the sounds, understand the words being said, but they couldn't hear the spiritual part of it. They couldn't hear that drawing power and feel the drawing power of God. That's the difference between hearing the word and receiving the word in your soul. A lot of people hear the word every day. It makes no change on their life. Why? Because they not, they have never been born again. And that's the need today. Pray that the Lord would quicken our children, our loved ones. Here's a quote by William Palmer. I wrote down, he's a Baptist preacher back in the 1800s. He says, I shall define regeneration in a restricted sense to be an immediate act of divine power put forth upon an elect sinner who is dead in trespasses and sins by which act a principle of spiritual life is implanted in the soul and the person becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus. It takes the power of God. Power of God. The creature is entirely passive. And the principle is introduced by divine power. According to, according as his divine power has given unto us, says Peter, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Mark, the principle is given and implanted by divine power and not offered upon the conditions of human power being exercised. God doesn't offer you these things. He gives them you in divine power. You don't need our permission to do anything. He's not waiting on us to meet some conditions so he can do some conditions. He's in control at all times, in all places, in all people. Everyone is at the mercy of God. Everyone is at the mercy of God. All of us. As a songwriter said, nothing in my hands I bring. Nothing. We got nothing to offer because we're dead in trespasses and sins. All that pertain unto life and godliness, Mark, the principle is given and implanted by divine power and not offered upon the condition of human power being exercised. Preaching today, if you'll believe, you'll be saved. If you'll believe in Christ, make a decision. Come up to the altar. Give your life to Christ. But that individual is dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. He said, you will not come unto me Because you love darkness rather than light. And as long as a person is loving darkness, they'll never come to Christ. Beloved, those that come to Christ are those who have been quickened by the Holy Spirit, been made alive, and they, Christ said, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What made them heavy laden, and and why is that promised to? It's to those who have been born again. Born of the Spirit of God. nor the means, nor in any manner assist divine power and regeneration. Observe the following things. The power of God is perfect in itself and therefore can need no assistance. God doesn't need any assistance. Some people think God can't do anything unless you let Him. You know, Lord, I, I, I would believe, but I'm just not ready yet. As if they had the last say-so. 
Some people think, well, when I get ready, I'm going to get saved. They want to, they want to live their life, a life of sin, and when they get ready, then they go make a decision and repent. One, if God don't give you repentance, you can't repent. If God don't give you faith, you can't believe. If you don't have a new heart and been born again, you can't do nothing spiritually. Because the Word of God says the sinner is without strength. And therefore, cannot render any service or anything to God. He is dead in trespasses and sins. And therefore, is, a, is as passive in his regeneration as he will be in the resurrection. What part will you have in the resurrection when your body is dead in the graveyard? Are you going to raise it up? You can't raise it up. Only God, who has all power, almighty, will raise up our bodies in the day of the resurrection. It takes the same God, takes the same power to resurrect our souls now and give us new life in Christ. It takes God's power. Man cannot give that to you. Any preacher that preaches he can save you and win your soul to Christ, beloved, is preaching another gospel. There's many preach another Jesus today. They don't preach the Jesus of the New Testament. Many day to preach a God, but it's not the God of the, of the Old Testament or the New Testament. God has not got his hands tied behind him and can't do anything waiting on somebody to do something so he can do something. The world says, you make the first step and God will make the next step. No, beloved, if God doesn't make the first step, you will make no steps. He makes the first move. He gives you life that you might believe on his son, Jesus Christ. Regeneration is solely the work of God. Creating a new, it's called in Ephesians 4, 24. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's a creating a new. John 5, 21 says it's called a quickening. For as a father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. This is some of the terms used for regeneration. We've been quickened by the power of God. Ephesians 2 5 said, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. You can see why. Because you had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with your regeneration. What did you have to do with your first birth? Nothing. And you have nothing to do with your second birth from heaven. Peter says it's a calling out of darkness into light. First Peter 2.9 he says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a whole and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's things that happen in the new birth that you may not realize what happened. You were called out of darkness. You were walking in darkness, walking in sin, walking on the prince and power of the air. God took you out of that kingdom and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. We're no longer called children of darkness. Now we're called children of light. Read Ephesians chapter 5. Children of light, not children of darkness. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. In our hearts was nothing but darkness before the new birth. We're dead in trespasses and sins.
has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God who commanded light to shine in darkness. That's when the new birth, God commands that light to come forth. Like he said, let there be light and there was light. In Genesis chapter 1. And God says the same thing to you when He says He commands light to shine in the darkness of our hearts. We're quickened. We're born again. We renew. We become a new creation, beloved. God's power has been exercised. We had nothing to do with it. Alive from the dead. Alive from the dead. Neither yield to your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. We're not to yield our members of this body to sin and to unrighteousness. But yield yourselves unto God. Notice this. As those that are alive from the dead. If you have been, if you're alive from the dead, if you're a born again Christian, we should not by yielding our body as members of Satan. That's using your body for Satan and for his kingdom. That's given place to the devil. But yield yourselves unto God. Here's a command. This is not a, this is not advice. It's a command. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We are alive from the dead. That's what we profess, brother Dave. We are alive from the dead. Once I was blind, said the, said the blind man, but now I see. How do you see? I don't know how I see, but I met a man and now I can see. And finally, Jesus appeared to him again and told him who he was. And we can say the same thing. Once we were dead in trespasses and sins, but I'm alive into God now. And Paul says in Romans 6, as you go under the water and you're raised to walk in what? In newness of life. Walk in newness of life. This should be our goal. This should be our desire to walk in newness of life. And one thing Satan does is to hinder ourselves from giving ourselves 100% to the Lord and following him. He wants us to deviate to the right, deviate to the left, but don't go forward and be obedient. The one thing Satan hates us to be is obedient. We're called a new creature in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. We are new creatures. We've been born again. A new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have new affections for the Father. We love the Father. We have new affection for the family of God. We love one another. We love the things of God. That which I used to hate, now I love. That which I used to love, now I hate. Jesus describes it in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, being born again. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. And some people say it means to be born from above. You must be born from above. God has to do the work. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship. We are created unto Jesus Christ unto good works, which God ordained that we should walk in them. We were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works don't save us, but they glorify God. They glorify God. 
Now that's the divine side of regeneration and calling. Now there's the human side also. You say, what do you mean? We're passive in regeneration, but we're active in believing. We are to believe. We're commanded to believe. Acts 13, 48 says this, And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And when the preachers were preaching there and they heard the word of the Lord, boy, they were glad. So he said, come back and preach to us again. And he said, they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. In other words, all of those that God gives life to is for the purpose to believe. To believe. God wants you to believe and have assurance of your salvation. He wants you to know that you're sons and daughters of God. He wants you to know that you pass from death unto life. He wants you to know that heaven is your home. He wants us to know that I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says this, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be the beloved of the Lord? We don't deserve it. We deserve hell itself. But we're called the beloved of the Lord. Because God had from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Some people say, oh, it doesn't say you're chosen to salvation in the Bible. It says you're chosen to service. Service. Well, this verse teaches that you're chosen to salvation. And how is that done? Through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. In other words, you've been set apart in regeneration, the new birth, and then believing the truth. That's God's purpose. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. Whose purpose? God's purpose. God's the one who controls His purposes and His grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Hallelujah. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel, when it comes forth to preach, is to give you light in your conscience that you're born again. That you are a believer. You come to cling and believe on Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the gospel. Which includes repentance and faith toward God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.15, he explains this. He says, but though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ... Yet have not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Oh, you say, say Paul gave birth to somebody. No, it doesn't mean that in that verse, because it's in the active force. What does that mean? Paul says, I preached the gospel, and it brought you forth. It means to bring forth. When a baby is brought forth, does that give life to the baby? No. It only manifests when they spank it, and it starts crying that there's life in that baby. Same thing with you and I. We've been born of the Spirit of God. And God may use a preacher. He may use any, any person as they preach the gospel. That, that spanking will take place. You will reach out and believe in Christ and cling to Him. And you'll know in your conscience that He's your Lord and your God and your Savior. That's what He's teaching in, in uh, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, the Word of Christ. Faith cometh forth by hearing the word of God. In the words that in regeneration, remember what I said in regeneration. A person passes from death unto life and he receives subjective faith. That subjective faith that you received in regeneration 
So then faith cometh by hearing. It comes forth, that faith that's in you comes forth, and by hearing the Word of God, it clings to it. It clings to it. And the Word of God is objective truth, the objective faith, which is the Word of God. And he receives subjective faith in his being born again, and this subjective faith is brought forth by the preaching of the gospel to lay hold of objective truth in the gospel of Christ. That's why it's important that we preach the gospel to every creature. All of those whom God born gives life to, he borns again. He gives them a new spirit, gives them the ability to hear and see the things of God, as the gospel comes forth, they hear of Christ dying for sins. That faith lays hold of Christ and He's mine. He died for me. Who gave Him that faith? God did in regeneration. It's not of works, at least any man should both. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And He says, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. You don't earn it. And hearing by the word of God. That's why it's important to come to the house of God and hear preaching. That that inward faith that you have can lay hold of these truths that have been presented to you. Lay hold of them and believe them and study them and, and grow as a Christian. Peter says to grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. We are active in believing in conversion. We believe, not God. God gives us the ability to believe. We cannot believe apart from God's grace and strength. But God gives us the ability, and when the gospel comes forth, you will believe. He said about the Gentiles, and they shall hear and receive the word of God. We will receive it. You know, Jesus prayed in John 17, I have other sheep which are not of this foe, and they shall hear, they shall hear and believe. We shall believe. Here's a biblical example of what I'm talking about in closing. It's in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. If you haven't read the book of Acts, I recommend reading it occasionally. Acts 16, 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. Notice this. Whose heart the Lord opened. Whose heart the Lord opened. Whose heart the Lord opened. That's the greatest need of this hour. That the Lord would open up hearts. That she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Now why did she attend to the things spoken by Paul? Because the Lord opened her heart. He opened her heart. And she attended. She gave heed to the things which were spoken of Paul. He was preaching. And when she was baptized, immersed is the correct word, and her household, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So you see an example, a biblical example, that the Lord has to open a heart before people will give obedience to the Word of God. But preachers today are saying, you open up your heart and let Jesus come in. They got it backwards. 
They got it backwards. God's the one in control, not man. It's God's will, not man's will. Which were born again, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of the mind, but of God, but by the will of God. John 1.13. How clear that is, beloved. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, well, first of all, in uh, Romans 6.17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. Past tense. Servants mean that you are in a, that you are living a life of sin continually. That's a servant. They're serving sin. It's one who lives to sin. But you have obeyed from the heart. Where does obedience start? It starts in the heart where you're born again. If you're born again, you're going to obey from the heart, not from the mind only. It works through our intellect, yes. We make rational decisions. But it comes from the heart, which we've been born again. We've been given a new heart, new soul, where we love the things of God. We follow God. It says, but you have obeyed from the heart those forms of doctrine which was delivered you. Why do we, why do we obey the doctrine? Why do we keep those things? Because it's in our heart in regeneration. God gives us a new heart to obey Him. He said, my people shall follow me. They shall walk in my word. They shall love my word and follow me. Second Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, But we are bound to give thanks our way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and the leaf of the word. God uses both. He uses, he's, he's the one that's active in the new birth. We are the ones that are active in Believing. God gives us the ability to believe. You say, I believed in Christ. Who gave you the ability? God did. God draws you. No man can come to me except the Father. Draw him. And how does he draw you? He said, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. As we hear about Christ and his love on Calvary being crucified for you and I. He bore our sin in his body on the tree. That love draws out our heart and our faith to cling hold of Jesus Christ. He's mine. He died for me. Hallelujah. What a, when that truth is revealed to you, words cannot explain it. You can't explain it. You have to experience to understand it. He called you. He called you. The calling of the gospel is not to the dead in sin, but to them whose heart the Lord has opened. There's a calling of the gospel as it goes forth in preaching, but it's not to those who are dead in sin. They can't react to it. They're dead. Their mind is a carnal mind. It's enmity against God. They're haters of God. They're haters of the truth. They love darkness rather than light. And people are preaching to those people, expecting them to make a decision for Christ. They're dead, spiritually dead. But the world will not accept that. There's a little spark in man. He has the little spark. And all you got to do is blow on that spark. Now when you're dead, you're dead. Beloved. Dead in trespasses and sins. The natural man cannot receive the things of God because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man cannot do anything spiritually. Jesus says, you will not come to me that you may have life. You will not. 
Why? Because you love darkness. You love sin. You love Satan. You're under the power prince of this world. Why do we preach the gospel? Paul gave us a good example in 2 Timothy 2.10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We do all things. Why are we preaching the gospel? To reach God's elect, to reach His sheep, that they can come to the knowledge of salvation in their own soul and heart and rejoice with us of so great salvation. We're not, we're not preaching to make sheep. We're preaching to reach the sheep. They are already sheep, but God's election. God makes them sheep. Some people think you're a de- child of the devil one minute and a child of God the next. Beloved, I never was a child of the devil. We were chosen before the foundation of the world and given to Christ. We fell in Adam. We come under judgment. We came under condemnation. But we always been in Christ from the foundation of the world. He stood as the Lamb slain. Acts, uh, Revelation 13. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When did our salvation begin? It began in eternity in the purpose and mind of God. And it was fulfilled at Calvary when Jesus gave up the ghost and said it's finished. Hallelujah. And in closing... But of him, 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, he's your wisdom, and righteousness, he's our righteousness, and sanctification, he's our sanctification, and redemption, he's our redemption. He's everything we need. You know, Paul says Jesus is all and in all. He's everything to the believer. Everything. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Nothing wrong with glorying as long as you give it to the Lord. Can't glory in yourself. There's nothing in us that's worth anything, beloved. So I pray this morning that a few of these things will stick in your mind, that you'll study these things out. Father, I pray that you'll bless us now as we close our service. The preaching part, may you bless this closing hymn. And we thank you for the opportunity to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.